Grace and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And these are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. And dear fellow redeemed in Christ, our text begins with a demonstrative pronoun, these. Pronouns need antecedents. So who are these? Well, they are Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. And how are they described? Well, to read it very briefly, it might look like it's a very odd description. If we don't read very far, because it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. And if we stop right there, we, we may very well wonder, what is the point of that? They died, but they never got what God promised. So what is this about? Well, I want to focus just on one person from this list. Abraham. And what promises did Abraham receive? Three promises were given to him by God. Abraham and his descendants would be as countless as the stars of heaven and the sands of the seashore. Abraham would receive the land of Canaan. And finally, through Abraham's seed, one descendant especially, there would be a blessing for all the nations of the earth. The descendant of Abraham was his son Isaac. Not countless. In fact, one is very countable. The only land that Abraham had was the small plot of ground in which he had buried his wife Sarah. And the promised blessing through a special descendant for the whole world it's hardly peeking over the horizon yet. But this is why the author of Hebrews, of course, goes on with far more than what I quoted. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from, from afar, were assured of them. Now I want us to go to Paul's letter to the Romans. And he chooses Abraham in chapter 4 of his writing as one of the great examples of faith. He wrote, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised he was now able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. What God promised he would do. Abraham believed that. Two weeks ago, we heard the first part of this Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
That same week, we heard from John 20, where Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Promises from God are at the heart of the message of the Christian church. When we gather at the graveside of someone we loved, we hear the promise of resurrection. St. Paul revealed that, that promise from our God in 1 Corinthians 15. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. We are to trust that this is true and that it will come to pass even though we cannot yet see it. When you drive through the countryside, around this area anyway, you often see church buildings and right next to them on the same ground, a cemetery. A congregation I served in Iowa had that very setup. When there's a Christian burial in that church building, the casket is carried from the church to the cemetery about 50 yards. And there we lay to rest our brother or sister in the faith in the sure hope of the resurrection from the dead. The promise is believed, even though not yet seen. Every Easter when we would go into that church building in order to hear the truth that Jesus rose from the dead, we would believe that and receive it with joy. And yet the graves out in the cemetery were not yet empty. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. As our ancestors in the faith could only see the promises fulfilled afar off, so also do we. We are strangers and pilgrims on earth. Our existence on earth in this world is all we know, but it is not our final home. Yesterday we heard some more words of our Lord from John 14. Let, your heart not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And here in Hebrews, we are told, God has prepared a city, a city for believers, the true home of God's people. Our sinful flesh likes this world, though. And of course, as God's creation, it's not so surprising. And yet this world is not a fitting place for eternity. Because of our sin, this world is corrupted twisted from its initial perfect creation into a place with pain, with weeds, with enemies, and with death. Still, our flesh does like it. But we must learn to see this world from the vantage point of God's word. At the end of the catechism, there's something called Christian questions and answers for those who, who are preparing to receive the Lord's Supper. Part of the question is for those who maybe feel no need for the sacrament is to, to look around. Look around to see whether you are still in the world, it says, and then keep in mind that there will be no lack of sin 
and trouble, as the scriptures say in John 15 and 16 and 1 John 2 and 5. In case those words from those chapters do not immediately come to your mind, here's a brief selection of what we find describing this world. Jesus said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. And then in John's first letter, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Here is the reason why we are described as strangers and pilgrims here. It is not where we are staying, nor should we want to. There's a better place. By the victory of Christ over sin and death, by the fact of his resurrection from that death, God's promise is made sure for each of you. The promise of eternal life, the promise of a place in the new earth, a place where peace reigns, where death is gone, never to be seen. And there is your Savior, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Through faith in him, believing his promise, you have eternal life, now in hope, then in a blessed reality. There's one short phrase at the end of our text with which I want to close. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Because of faith in the promises of God, God is not ashamed when people say, this is my God. He's not ashamed that he is called your God. Because that's what he is, your God. The promise is sure. There's a homeland for you. By faith, you do not wander as one who is lost, but as one who knows where your true homeland is and looks to future with hope, for that is what God has in store for you. Believe this, as did the saints of old, and look forward with peace and joy in Jesus, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.